Hi, and welcome to the Just Riding Along Show. Hello, and welcome to episode 114. Tonight's show is brought to you by Matt with No Pants. That's right, Matt with No Pants. Andrea's got a funny story to hear or to tell about me with no pants. As always. Because I'm actually wearing pants right now, and I anticipate wearing pants for the duration of this show. But there's another time I didn't wear pants she's going to tell you about right after you hear who our patrons are. And starting at $10 a month, we've got Zozo, Zach, Will, Tom, Todd, The Real-er, Jake D, Ty, Tennessee Zach, Taperboard Bro, Pro, uh, SCG Shuko, Sam. Then we've got another page. There's two Sams. Sam and Sam. Was there two Sams? Yeah. I missed one. Sorry. Sorry, other Sam. Ryan, Riding Spinners, uh, one of the, my favorite songs. I could probably do all of it on karaoke and make a lot of people blush. Then we've got Parker, Noah, Nick, My Pal Dow, MTB Shenanigans, Lloyd, Leland, Kenny Sucks. He's not even here. Don't talk about him like that, you dicks. Uh, Ken, Josh, Josh, Jeff, JC, Jara Dix, Jake D. I ride a bicycle because I have a small penis. Green Giant, Gordon, G-Man, F That Guy, Mark, Ezra, Trilla, G, Evan, Eric, Drew, P-Balls. Uh, Deer Balls, Captain Fickle, Cam Irish, Billy, Bill, Bo, Baggins, Alec, AJ, Aaron. We've got Esker Cycles at 1169. We've got Lead Out Sports and Josh from the Antezza at 14 kangaroo ears apiece. Dean with 16 and a half. We've got Scott kicking us off with 20. Then Poop Wrench, Joe, Brady, Brad, Anthony, Affordable Trail Solutions, Harvey at 30, Troy, or Harley at 30, <laughs> Troy at 31, Brad at 32, Six Pack Outdoors at 50, and now Andrea's going to tell you about the time I didn't have pants on. One of the many times I haven't worn pants. So I can't believe I've forgotten to tell this story for the last two or three episodes. So jump in your not-too-way-back machine to when I got my elk a few weeks ago, back on the 19th. That afternoon, you know, I called Matt, I gave him my location, and some very vague directions about how to navigate to it and he showed up to 11,400 feet with an incoming thunderstorm it was cold and windy he showed up in his underwear I was wearing for the record I was wearing Danner insulated boots a pair of socks a pair of Mary wool at least they were wool underwear underwear, and a Kuyu pack that Troy gave me no, not no. Kuyu. Uh, uh, Fall Raven. Yeah. And that's it. That was that was what he was wearing. That was it. That was Matt. Showed up to the elk with no pants. No pants. And Just I was like, you need to put clothes on immediately. You're going to get so cold when you stop moving. <laughs> and I did. But understand. And he was also bleeding. I was bleeding. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> it happens. Anytime you hang out with Andrea, you're just going to, you're. if she's like, we're going to go hunt, there won't be too much bushwhacking. Number one, that's a fucking lie. And number two, you're going to bleed. <laughs> number three, when you get home, you're going to have all this debris and bullshit and small <laughs> things in your pack. You You can't do any, you need to take everything that you're wearing and shake it out upside down. Because, like, sticks are going to fall out of your pocket. Like, a whole fucking <laughs> shrubbery will come out of your pocket. But, see, what had happened was... Is I, I even made up my own classification for bushwhacking. You know how climbs And are, I did not... How climbing, like, climbs are classified by degrees of difficulty. Like, I made up my own... And, like, rapids, if you're whatever... That kind of stuff. Like, I made up my own classification for bushwhacking. But I'm, And I'm it's all a lie. <laughs> I, I wanted to be able to tell Matt what degree of bushwhacking there would be. It's all level hell. And I understand, like, I have to classify, I'm giving descriptions to him, I have to classify it based on someone who's six foot two and not someone who's five foot six. But as someone that is literally eight inches lower than me, you have no idea how bad it's going to be. <laughs> you just don't know. With that said, what had happened was I left the truck and I was trying to go quickly because I knew that time was of the essence. I just didn't know how much yet. But time was of the essence and it started raining on me and just fucking poured for like 10 minutes. And I'm like, cool. I'm sweating and my clothes are soaking wet. So I stopped and I took my pants off and I hung them from my pack so hopefully they would be dry by the time I got where I was going. And then later I got even hotter so I stopped and took my sun shirt off. And then I got even hotter and I stopped and took my tank top off. (laughs) And then by the time I got to Andrea, I was just nearly naked. Yes. So 
That was, and I don't have a picture. And that's one of the, I have very few regrets in life. One of them is that I did not take a picture of Matt walking up out of the, just thrashing his way out of the downfall and out of the bushes. I was within 200 yards of Andrea and couldn't find her. And she had to elk bugle for me to help locate her. Yeah, so. (laughs) So with that, let's talk about bikes. Yeah, we'll talk about bikes now. Or we can keep talking about me with few clothes on. Whatever makes our listeners most happy. I mean, sometimes those two things overlap. Not lately, though. I went for a bike ride today. And we went for a bike ride on Saturday, Mm -hmm. wasn't it? Mm Yeah. Yeah, sure. Was it? Yeah. And I went for a bike ride a couple days before that. Jesus Christ. So much bikes. Been out riding my bike. I rode my... Mayhem for those first couple, like last week and with Matt on Saturday. And then today I rode my Spot Rocker in single speed flavor. Shit. And I've got it set up right now, 27.5 plus. Shit. Ish. I mean, they're, what, they're 27. 2.8. Yeah, 2.8s. I'm not going to do the 3.0 thing again. But it rides really well like that. And I can definitely, there. like if I was going to cross country race, I think I would go back to 29. You'd steal my light wheels? Yeah, I'd steal your light wheels. Um, I would do that, but just for everyday trail riding, it's got lots of traction. It's got a Minion DHF DHR combo on it, and I've been real happy with it. You know, I run it um, like the upper teens for pressure, and it's it's been great. It's awesome. It's a fun bike, a whole lot of fun. But other than that, I have been bear scouting, found some bear poop. Bear season opens this weekend, so once the show posts, I will have bear hunted at least once. And while I was bear hunting, there were some grouse, and I brought a grouse home. Did you buy a gun this week? I did. I bought a gun this week. And Is that the first firearm you've ever purchased? That is the first firearm I have ever purchased. Everything, and I put this on my Instagram, but I'll repeat it here because I don't think all of our listeners follow Mountain Feral on Instagram, but... Shameless plug. (laughs) You whore. It was one of the most... I've done a lot of crazy shit. This was one of the most intimidating things I've ever done because my background with firearms has been hand-me-downs. You know, my dad um, grew up hunting, and so he has just given me when I'm... It's like, I'm going to go do this. He's like, you should take this gun. Or like, you know, when I was a kid, he... You know, gave me my first uh, twenty gauge shotgun for hunting, hunting birds and squirrels and things. So yeah, but I mean, at the same time, he just bought you the twenty gauge version of his twelve gauge. Yeah, exactly. right. Like you've just been a gun's just been fausted upon you, and it's like go shoot things with it. And you go there, he is, bang. Yeah, and I I learn it well enough to be proficient at it, to be safe with it, to take basic care of it if it's rained on or kind of needs to be cleaned or whatever. Don't let her fool you. Andrew will still be like, can you take care of my gun? You like doing it. And you like it when I do it. Yeah, it's nice. But anyway, so that's been my knowledge. Like outside of what I have been handed down, I know nothing about firearms. So to say I need a gun that does X, Y, and Z, which um, I was looking for something to go mountain lion hunting later on in the year. And last year I used a 12-gauge shotgun with slugs. The problem with that is it's a very long gun. It's a little on the heavy side, but mostly it's very long. Like it, it's long, it's got an opening in the bottom where you put the shells in and that would collect bushes Debris. and debris. Shrubbery. Yeah, lots of shrubbery. I mean, I just dumped the gun out at the end of the day and it would just, it would be bad. Like, you don't need that stuff inside of your. No, like, straight up, I took care of that gun after lion season and you straight up could have built a bonfire out of what came out of that fucking gun. Yeah, so I needed something and I, I didn't want to go with a bolt action rifle because I'm literally hunting an animal that it's, it's more dangerous than a deer. We'll put it that way. I mean,. Yeah, sure. Okay, I, I don't want to exaggerate, but you want to be able to shoot more than once and do it quickly. And a bolt-action rifle is not the fastest way to f- shoot more than one round. So I needed a semi-automatic rifle that was much shorter, um, that didn't have anything that could catch trees, whatever. I didn't know really what I needed. I just literally had to go into a gun shop, which is 
an intimidating place to go and say, I don't know what I need, but I need it to do this. And I went to Salida Gun Shop. The guys in there were really, really nice. I actually dealt mostly with a guy named Matt. Worked with. You didn't deal with him. Deal you with worked him, with him. Worked with him. I worked with a guy named Matt who works there. He used to own a bike shop. He is an avid mountain biker. So he was able to explain all of these things to me in like bike terms. So that was really cool. Uh, once we figured out that we were both, you know, mountain bikers. So um, he said, and this is big uncomfortable moment number two for me. And after walking into the gun shop, he says, oh, you need something in the AR platform. And this is a gun that has a big social stigma around it. Um, there are a lot of people that think these shouldn't exist outside of police and military. And so when he says that and like walks me over to this rack of big, scary looking guns, I'm like, oh my God, I, I don't know about this. I kind of wanted to turn around and run out the door. But I stuck around, listened. He told me, you know, basics about them. And I kind of said, like, I just need to know what I need to go home and research so I can come in as a more informed consumer. So uh, that's pretty much what he did. He showed me several guns, um, gave me just a little basic information, didn't overwhelm me with a lot of stuff. I went home and researched. Turns out that particular platform, the AR platform, is as Matt's dad, Matt, this Matt, not the Matt at Salida Gun Shop. Um, Quick interjection. My father's a lifelong carpenter and home builder that in his retirement days transitioned into being a part-time gunsmith. So my father's a gunsmith now, but he does it on a, I don't want to say like at will basis but like he if you know johnny you no like he works for a store okay okay. um but he works for like he works for a pawn shop and like pawn shops can buy guns but they don't really do gun work but like if a gun comes in and it isn't functioning properly he's gonna clean it up get it all tuned up and happy ready for them to resell and then if you know if you're in the circle he's gonna like help you out as well so and so that's why I know so much about guns because I call my dad and I'm like, help. And he's like, oh, you need a data. Yeah. According to him, the AR is the Mr. Potato Head of guns, meaning when you get one that is just the standard specification, no matter what brand it is, you can just take parts off of it and put parts back on it like they all fit. It's just a, a standard size. They all just interchange parts. You can literally make it something as, what are you... I was going to say, just so people's eyes don't glaze over, imagine the AR platform is much like if you bought a mountain bike that was boost rear spacing, BSA threaded bottom bracket with a 44 millimeter head tube. You can do whatever you want in the normal realm of things with it, and you're good to go. And I think that's as much as our listeners are... Yeah, yeah. So I pretty much figured out that not only can I have... This gun that will be really good for my mountain lion hunting needs. I can also, with a different... Um, wheel set, let's call it. Yeah, a different wheel set. I could also use it for hunting big game. Because my current big game rifle was a 270. And um, you don't have to know what that is. Just know that when you shoot it, it fucking hurts. It hurts a lot. Lots of recoil. That's all you got to know about that. It's a great gun, but it it hurt a lot to shoot it, so I didn't like shooting it. So I figured out that I could have basically two guns for the price of one and a half guns. So I went with that. Uh, shot it yesterday, yesterday or the day before. I don't remember. I don't know anymore. It doesn't matter. Monday. Shot it on Monday. Uh, it doesn't. Yeah, day before yeah. yesterday. And it's it's great. It's it's perfect. Like I've got it set up now to go bear hunt with it, and then I'll change a few parts out and go mountain lion hunt with it. And I'm super stoked on it. I didn't buy a gun this week, but I did ride my mountain bike on Saturday. Andrea and I rode together, and probably the best thing I've ever heard on a mountain bike ride with Andrea was she said to me, "Is this hard for you?" <laughs> you have to remember. I mean, I had ridden two days before that. And I'd ridden so little before then that when I got on my bike to ride with Matt on Saturday, my seat bones were very sore from my ride, my 27-minute long ride two days beforehand. 
and I haven't really ridden much since I crashed on August 12th. So there we go. It was fun. Epic Evo is a ripper of a bike. I've gotten fat, and two piston <laughs> brakes are total bullshit. <laughs> I didn't mention this to you during the ride, but no. there was n- numerous times that I squeezed the brakes, and I'm just like, God damn, nothing's happening. So <laughs> That's why you were going so fast downhill. No, no, no. There was just times that I wanted to go not so fast downhill, and it didn't happen as, I didn't slow down as quickly as I hoped. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's fine. I probably just could stand to lose five pounds and put a 180 rotor on the back and a real tire on the rear, and it'll be fine. Yeah, you had an Aspen on the back. Like, you know, two piston brakes would just make it slide more. Hell yeah. <laughs> then you'd look like the cool people in all those mountain bike ads that are skidding the rear tire with a big cloud of dust. Man, I want to be like them. Or you could be like me and be the guy that stops and helps a dude on his fourth mountain bike ride fix a chain. So yeah, that was real nice of you. The hardest thing I've ever done. Why? Because that man had no clue what he was doing, and I wanted to tell him, Kent, because he introduced himself, Kent or Kent, I want to be like, just get out of the way. <laughs> but like, he starts to put his chain on, I'm like, you you, you need to make sure you go through your front derailleur. <laughs> and then he like gets to the back of the bike, and I'm like, oh, e- hold on, you need to make sure you go inside the frame there, because he was trying to go outside of the frame. And I was like, okay, but behind the cassette? Oh, oh, okay. Uh, in front of that wheel? Oh, okay, you got to go over this little thing on the derailleur? Oh, okay. Now you got to go around that jockey wheel. Uh, okay. Um, do you have a tool that'll do this? He's like, no. I'm like, mine will. Here, let me show you how it works. I wanted to be like, move. You know, that, yeah, that SNL skit where he's like, the IT guy's like, move. I wanted to do that to him as <laughs> Nick, soon as. Nick Burns, your company's computer guy. Yeah, I wanted to do that, but I didn't because I felt like it would be rude. And uh, that was that. It was a fun ride. I got sweaty. And then I swung a pickaxe or a true miner's axe for like 25 minutes straight. And I don't wish that upon anyone. Um, <laughs> that was not smart. I'm not a smart man. <laughs> so that's my week. Uh, oh, and then Sunday we went to Shields. And if you want to go from being out in the middle of nowhere, working from home, talking to like the dogs and the feral cat that lives in the yard, maybe hanging out with your friends occasionally. And then you want your sensory overload to just get fucked in the ear sideways. You go to Shields where they have a giant aquarium. They have an indoor Ferris wheel. They've got a talking John Elway. They've got a talking Abe Lincoln. They've got an arcade. They've got a cotton candy station. They've got two indoor restaurants. They have a arcade. They have an adult arcade where with the claw game, you can win fishing lures. Like if you want to just get your mind fucking crushed, you go there. And you buy really expensive boots. That's what I did. The problem, I think the problem is they have all of that stuff that all makes noise and then they play music. But the music's got to be loud enough to, so you can hear it over the stuff. And then everyone's got to talk loud enough that they can talk over the music and the stuff. And it just, it is incredibly overwhelming. Yeah, like at one point I tried waiting for Andrea somewhere and I stepped near this big, John Elway what I thought was statue and then it fucking turned out to be an animatronic talking thing and I nearly shit in my pants so <laughs> it was a rough day um, but you got some new boots I got some new boots and then we went to the saddest REI in all of Colorado I don't know the one in Lakewood was equally as sad no no I haven't been there in five or six years so this is the saddest one for sure right. and then we went to a pizza place and I got a salad I've eaten a lot of salad lately, and uh, that's that's my week. So, Do we want to talk about... Let's talk about new shit. Rapid fire, let's go. How long have we been recording? Let's look. Don't tell people because it gets audited and edited. All right, let's go. This is Some of this is old news, but it's worth repeating. Uh, Trek is now offering suspension service. Along with suspension service, you can get a loaner bike while your bike, the suspension off of it, is down. Cool thing. This can be any mountain bike. You don't have to... Uh, any bike with suspension. Any bike with suspension. Remember, Niner made a gravel bike with suspension. Yeah, they did. So if your suspended bike needs a service, you can go to a Trek store. Doesn't matter if you own a Trek or not. Just has to be a bike with suspension. You take it in. You say, I want my suspension serviced. They take care of that, or they send it off to whoever they're contracting with track i mean i'm sure someone i'm sure it's just going back to hq and they have a suspension lab now and while it's there you can demo a loaner bike for free for two days 
is it just two days? Yeah, for they they expect turnaround oh, will happen within two okay. weeks, and you can demo a uh, regular analog or e bike for two days. Oh, that's not quite as cool as I thought it was, but it's still it's pretty neat. Yeah, I mean, but if you think of the normal person rides their mountain bike once or twice a week, if your bike's been out for two weeks and you get to ride twice, and you normally ride twice a week, then you only miss two rides instead of four. So yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like if you rode two days a week, you could just go and demo a bike one day. And then one of the other days you might ride, go and demo a bike another day instead of getting a bike for two whole days in a row. Yeah, that's how I would approach it. Um, I mean, it doesn't say that they have to be two consecutive days. It doesn't say that it can't be split up. But I would assume if you're like, hey, I just need to go for a ride this Sunday and you brought it back that day. And then you're like, I need to go for a ride on Wednesday also. I don't think they're going to tell you no, but I don't know. Prove me wrong. Thanks, John Burke. Um, <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Um, let's yeah. see, let's talk about, yeah, let's talk about this next. Old Man Mountain. They make some really cool, kind of just different, and I think a little bit more solid solutions for attaching shit to your bike. And the one that just happens to be in this article that I think is cool is called an axle pack. And it's like your fork-mounted cage style of you know, you can like strap a dry bag to it, strap an algae it's to it. It's your three whatever. pack mount. Uh, but it puts the weight on your through axle instead of either zip tied to your fork leg if it's a spin- if it's a suspension fork, or you know, if you have a rigid fork with you know, with bolt holes in it. This is this is just a really solid way to do that. The only drawback about it is and I haven't seen a super exploded view, so my understanding is you are replacing your through axle with a proprietary through axle. And then you, so you would first use, and I'm just making it up, you would use like a six millimeter and you would bolt your through axle in. And then on the drive side, you would bolt in the bottom of the three pack mount into the axle. And the and then on the non-drive side, you would bolt the bottom of the three pack mount into the through axle. So the weight is being supported by that proprietary in the sense that you have to use theirs they they sell no joke probably like 50 different through axles to fit different widths and different thread pitches and things like that so the only drawback is going to be in the event of a flat tire there's going to be a little bit more finagling in order to remove the wheel but i'm really excited about trying i want to get one of their front racks for my uh whiskey fork they, they make a front rack that would work with my risky, whiskey rigid fork, and I think that'd be nice to try to get some weight off of my handlebars but a little bit lower over the front as I'm not a big fan of the uh, uh, suspension or the rear-mounted seat bag stuff. Yeah, their website's not very good. No, it's so, not very good. Uh, but there's, they're, going. they're a really cool option, and they're definitely something to consider. I implore everyone to, doesn't matter what you're doing, if you're driving down the interstate at 1,000 miles an hour, you should look it up on your phone right now <laughs> with your eyes closed. But they make a they make a full suspension rack. Uh, they make, they just make lots of cool shit. And if you're looking for a bikepacking thing that you don't know if it exists or not, check them out. They might have something. They might have something that does what you want. They just might make it. So there we go. Next up, uh, let's talk about the Willier. Willier. It's not Willier. Willier. The, the Wilier. I- the Willier Adler. Uh, it's a carbon bikepacking gravel bike. And I mean, okay, yeah, it's a carbon gravel bike. It's got lots of mounts it i don't know if it, i'm assuming it comes with these racks that are in the picture no way those are extra i'm just being a dickhead i don't know they might be included but it's honestly when you start looking at it loaded it's basically we're back at we're at the really nice version of your old steel touring bike yeah it's just a modern touring bike that's that's really all it is it's a carbon it's carbon right yeah. That's a carbon touring bike. That's that's all they've made, and they just have to call it all these special things to get hipsters to buy it. Yeah. And I'm not mad at them for it. It's just if you made a carbon touring bike, everyone would turn their nose up at it. But if you're like, I've got a bike packing specific gravel bike, like everyone jizzes in their pants and empties. Right, exactly. They max out their credit card for it, and then yeah. they go outside and get wide and have coffee outside. 
everything is reinforced to hold an extra 35 kilograms of gear beyond the rider, according to That's this. roughly 70-something pounds for us Americans. Yeah, so I think it's really, I think it's just really cool. It's... God, that handlebar's atrocious. Yeah, the handlebar's kind of ugly, but... It clears 700 by 52 tires. Come on, now. It's just a drop bar mountain bike. Yep. Call it how you see it. Two-inch wide, 29er mountain bike tires. So... I think it's really neat. You know, it's just, it's kind of like coming full circle and making just a modern version of something that I, I think needed to be improved again or improved on. And I don't know. It's just, if I was going to do that type of riding, this is, if I was just going to do, I don't know, cross country tour or something, lots of days, lots of times, I would probably want something like this because it's just a nice carbon bike, but it's also made to haul some shit. Is there a geo chart on it? What I was going to say is this looks like a great tour divide bike. Um, is there a bottom bracket drop on that? There's not. Mm. No BB drop on the website. I don't know. It's got a long, I just saw like earlier in the article, it's got a longer axle to crown fork. Yeah, it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's, pretty similar to a canyon grizzle in terms of geo like the reach numbers are pretty long it's designed to be ran with a short stem like a where's the stack number it's right below that yeah like a an xl i would comfortably ride that bike with a 60 or 70 millimeter stem you know so it's a it's a little bit more a little bit more encroaching on like a cutthroat which to segue because we're going to turn this from willier to salsa to surly Watch me make a fucking segue here. The salsa's sleeping. They're asleep at the wheel. Like, the cutthroat's old. It hasn't been updated in forever. To my knowledge, I've never seen a cutthroat tie. That's the Fargo, isn't it? Yeah, but they don't call it a cutthroat tie. And I think that turns people away from buying it. Make, I think they need to update the... So, I'm going to give salsa a way to make tens of dollars. Update the cutthroat. Release it in all three flavors. Make an aluminum bike so it's actually affordable. Make a carbon bike make a tie bike call them all the cutthroat get rid of the fargo because no one gives a shit just standardize your line down into hey this is your drop bar mountain bike it's suspension corrected you can get it in aluminum if you don't have a lot of money you can get it in carbon if you do have a lot of money you can get it in tie if you got a lot of money and you think space plastic is terrible <laughs> with that space plastic. <laughs> let's go to another one of qbp's number of brands i think they have 35 or 40 brands something like that surly surly we should all raise our glass and bid good day, even though they'll they'll never... That's two mason jars clinking together because we're rednecks. Uh, even though 20 years from now, there'll still be plenty of surly cross-checks out there buzzing around, they're not making them anymore. And to that, I say, big fucking deal. <laughs> and if you're out there and you loved your cross-check and like a vein is popping out in your forehead right now, cool your fucking tits. And I'll tell you why. I used to have a cross-check. I did too. Everyone's had a cross. We had cross checks at the same time. We once rode them together, and you're like, "I'm not going to ride this. This is stupid." <laughs> Do you remember that? No. We were riding the unfinished Greenway in Memphis, and you're like, "This is stupid. I'm not riding this." <laughs> and we, you, you like bushwhacked to the road, <laughs> and we rode the road. It was stupid. It was like loose railroad gravel. I don't know. I thought it was fun. Anyways. Uh, Oh, how the tables have turned. The cross-check should have died, and I'll tell you why. The cross-check is the bike that you would build out of a hunk of bullshit parts you had sitting around, and you would buy a frame and a handful of parts, and then bada-bing, bada-boom, you've got a bicycle. The problem with the cross-check is it was a rim-brake bike, and there are no longer garbage bin rim-brake parts, so there's no longer just old shit to put your cross check together with. Yeah, you'd have to you'd have old shit, but then you're like, shit, I gotta buy brakes. You gotta buy wheels. Oh yeah, that too. Cause you would like if you bought a new road bike or a new gravel bike and you're like, I want a single speed, but I don't want to spend too much money, you can't buy a cross check and use your old road or mount or gravel wheels because they're disc and the cross check was rim. But you needed those bullshit wheels in the corner and you needed that old bar that you didn't really love but would be fine to get the bike rolling and you know your bike came with an aluminum 27 two seat post and you put a carbon one on it that's not the thing anymore bikes are disc 
uh, seat posts are all fucking proprietary now. Like, there's no there's no trash bin parts to put your crosscheck together with anymore. So, you can send me a message and tell me that I'm wrong. I don't give a shit. The crosscheck was an irrelevant bicycle for the last five years. And with that, let's welcome in the preamble, which is a bike they just released, which clears nearly as big of a tire, and it's just a great steel, cheap-ass gravel bike. And they've made the disc trucker for a long time, which is what people need in the modern world. So that's my high horse. I'm getting off of it. I had a crosscheck. I sold it. Well, the straggler is basically oh a, a straggler, disc. not a disc check. Sorry, that it should have been called the disc check. That's the other thing. They named the straggler the wrong thing. They should have called it the cross disc or the disc check forever, because that's what it is. It's a disc brake cross check. Yeah. So that's your new cross check is now the straggler. That's what you hang your old parts on. I mean, but that thing's been out for forever. Andy put one of those together when I worked at Wheat Ridge. It was dope. All right. We want to do some listener questions. Yes. They've been marinating for a while. Well, let's go through all of them. No, I don't want to do all of them because we don't have Kenny next week. We'll do like half of them. Oh, for those of you that are like, where the fuck is Kenny? Kenny is on other adventures. He's in Europe. He talked <sighs> about it last week. He talked about it last week. What? Did I mess up some reference to some other podcast or you, some shit? You did. Whatever. I don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> do you want to well, read Why don't this? you read that fucking question since you don't <clears throat> listen to podcasts? I'm going to get more water. All right. This is from Duncan. Duncan asked this question way back early in September. So he says, with resale being so abysmal right now, the brakes slash dropper slash drivetrain are coming off the Izzo for a fat bike build. And I'm hoping to rebuild the chassis into a marathon cross-country sort of rig. I know it's not really a light frame, so looking to drop weight where reasonable, but not weight weenie the hell out of it to where it's less fun and or any more of a silly money pit. Currently looking at a Bike Yoke Revive 185. Already have the new level ultimates. Either the Mechanical X01 or GX Axis. Already have... The X01 cranks and stock wheels, and trying to decide if I short stroke the current DPS and 34 when I service them, or if it would be worthwhile to go float SL slash stepcast or SID land. Any thoughts appreciated? I wouldn't. I, I mean, mean and, okay, hold on. first off with the suspension, if it handles like you want a marathon cross country bike to handle right now, don't fuck with the travel of the suspension. And for those of you out there that are like, how does Matt know this? This is literally my old bike. This is the Izzo that I rode. And I'll tell you right now, Duncan, you do not want to shorten the travel on that. If you put a shorter fork on it, you may as well just dig a hole and jam your fucking pedal in it. Or get some 160 cranks or some or shit. Or some 130 cranks. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, those cranks are down dick in the dirt. Like, it, you could... Yeah, like you can lose a toenail if you shorten the travel on the fork on that. Because so, your suspension's going to weigh the same. I mean, yeah, if you went float SL and step cast, sure, your suspension's going to be lighter. But as Matt said, you shouldn't shorten your travel on that bike. So that leaves you with the suspension you have, which is the same weight. All you're going to do is reduce its function. Sure, the bike might handle a little faster, but that comes at the expense of your pedals touching the ground. So, I wouldn't fuck with that. Yeah, I mean, if anything, and I never looked into this, but if you wanted to make the bike feel more cross-country, you could probably, and this is going to be counterintuitive, so everyone out there just fucking buckle up. Check the fork. If there's any volume reducers in the fork, you would pull those out, which would allow you to run a higher air pressure to achieve the same total bottom-out force, which would give you a better pedaling platform in the front in the rear if there are any or check the negative chamber if there's not any token or air volume spacers in the negative chamber if you went to a larger volume spacer in the negative chamber that would make the so negative air helps with breakaway and helps get the suspension moving but in when you make that bigger you're making the air volume smaller which means that it helps for a shorter distance of the stroke so you would be able to make the bike feel a little bit firmer and not wallow as much into the travel if you added a volume spacer on the negative side on the rear shock. But changing their stroke in the rear would 
conflict with the kinematics of the frame, which I don't think would be a good idea. Shortening the stroke on the fork, no matter if it... 120 is 120. The axle to crown is going to be the same. You can't limit the travel on a Fox fork and keep the axle to crown the same, but limit the total travel. So, I mean, don't at me. Sure, you could jam some shit in there and make it happen, but it wouldn't feel good. <laughs> um, but I think that would be the way to go. As far as drivetrains, like, uh, who cares? Run whatever you have. And as far as droppers, if you want to make that bike light, that bike needs all the help in the world it can to be light. So uh, put a shorter dropper on it. Yeah, run like a bike yoke 85 millimeter post on it. Just whatever the the lightest divine SL is. Um, yeah, I mean, are the the shortest? So if you go the thing like if you get one of those sh- cross country droppers, they're made with sure you're going to need a longer bottom part of the post to make your bike fit. If you go to a 100 millimeter dropper, they're thinking the person who gets a 100 mil dropper is short. And they don't need a lot of insertion into the frame. No, the transfer SL is pretty long. Oh, really? You can get a, yeah, I think a transfer SL would be fine. Because that bike also doesn't have a really short seat Doesn't tube. this transfer SL suck? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> we don't work in I don't ride Fox stuff. I'm not poor. Yeah, so <laughs> don't, if you have already, I can't tell by your paragraph if you already have the Bike Yoke Revive 185 or if you already have the new level Ultimates. Probably already has the dropper. Yeah, so that would be a chunk of money, but if you get a shorter dropper, it's going to be lighter. Though the bike yoke is one of the lighter dropper posts out there, so you know you look at your bank account and weigh that post and decide what you want to do. If you have a lighter set of wheels and you're going to... Duncan and light wheels don't get along. Okay. He may or may not have blown up one of the DT wheels that I sent with that bike. Oh, Put a lighter front wheel on it. <laughs> Run birds. Yeah, get a set of bird wheels. Just don't do anything. Don't buy anything else except a set of bird wheels. Just buy bird wheels. There you go. There's your answer, Duncan. Put some Next question. faster rolling tires on it. Aspens. <laughs> birds and aspens. Next question. All right. This is from, this person's emailed a bunch of times. Is that the right one? Oh, nope. I just know their name. This is Dean from CU in the NT. So Dean says, just a point of interest with the new King Creek E-Wings for e-bikes. They are 3D printed titanium version, whereas the mountain bike traditional E-Wings are real welded metal. I still don't trust that. No, we've read this one before. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, we talked Sorry, about it. I, um, didn't, I didn't take the star off of it. Whatever we said back then, just because I don't remember anything ever. Uh, Next one. Let's see. Let me breeze through this one. Uh, so Dan says, long time listener. Thanks for keeping things keeping on. Question for Kenny, who's not here, so you get Matt and Andrea's answer. Tough shit. I just bought a Specialized Tarot 5.0 for my wife, primarily for commuting to work, but also for riding trails on the weekend with me. Is there any smaller or lighter battery options that can be used while riding trails? We don't need the long range for trails, and it could be nice to shave some weight off this bike when not commuting. Thanks. And he sent a link to the bike, which is just chef's kiss fucking... Yes, thank you for that. Amazing. I don't know, and, and that's where Kenny would come in. I don't know if... And scroll back up. I want to look at something. I don't know if they make a lighter battery, but it doesn't. It's it's not an external battery, so. Oh, it's just a little thing you flip open. It's oh like shit! A, a I'm latch. totally you wrong. Just, you just flip the latch open. And so the it is a quick out. removal, like a commuter bike. God damn! Look at me. I'm eating my hat right now. I don't know. I would reach out to Specialized directly and see if there's a a different battery for that. Or will it? I mean, it's probably been too long anyway. He sent this question a while back. This is from the 16th of September. Yeah, you know, you get what you get with us. We suck. But <sighs> I know Kenny was saying on the Turbo Levos that he has. I don't know if they're the same battery, like the fit. No, I don't think so. I don't think the Turbo Levo is a quick disconnect battery because I was thinking it's a mountain bike and it looks just like the Turbo Levos, but I don't think the Turbo Levo has a quick pop off like that because it's a. It might quick pop off while you're on the trail. I mean, Santa Cruz had that problem for a while. Also, Santa Cruz, a bunch of their bikes, just the the battery, uh, the battery wasn't it wasn't properly adjusted for the yeah it it was it was user error or setup error from the factory. So yeah, do we want to do a different question? Because I just sounded like a dumbass the whole time. Yeah. Uh, Philip says, just heard the show where you guys read my email. 
<laughs> Sorry if this is late. I've been bouncing around with different podcasts and music, so I found the show by searching Mountain Bike on Google Podcasts. I need to get some stickers and put them on my vehicles to try to get the word out for the show. And my favorite bike shop in Memphis is Bike the Planet. The owner, Mel, has become a good friend of mine. Has taught me a lot about maintaining and building bikes. Also went through some not good events with family, and he let me hang out at the shop all day sometimes. It was a place where I could escape all the BS. Thanks for the show. It usually makes me laugh when I'm having a bad day. So, um, what's this person's name again? Philip. Philip. Fun fact. Bike the Planet was uh, Mel purchased that from Rod Bickle, RB Cyclery. And where you hung out is the second bike shop I ever worked in Memphis. So I don't know if they've moved, but if they're still over there near the UPS center. Where if you demo a bike, you got to watch out for speeding UPS trucks. By the Hummer dealership. I was trying to think of like a good landmark over there. Then, yep, that's the second bike shop I ever worked at. Worked there from 2007 through 2010. 2008 I always, through 2010. I mean, I met Mel a couple of times. He was a nice dude, and I, I love his dogs. He has these little rescue chihuahuas that are just, they're adorable. And he obviously just babies them, which is awesome. Yep. So there's that. But, Philip, uh, in case you didn't know, you can buy stickers from our website and bottles, and uh, you can, for $75, get the chance to sniff Kenny. What? What? You just walk in the Draper, Utah location of Hangar 15 and just sniff Kenny for $75? We'll figure it out after you pay the money. Um, (laughs) So, John says, the part about the Shimano voluntary recall that you not mention is the unwarranted liability they're shifting to the shops and their employees. What if one of the cranks breaks after they determined it was still okay? If I was a shop, I would just say every single one of them looks like it might fail. I fully agree with you and if I hadn't been I don't know. I think I was kind of out of it that night when we... It's something that I thought about a little later after we recorded. And I was like, man, that would suck so bad if you were a shop employee. Just having that burden of... Oh, these look fine. Yeah, exactly. Like, even if you're a totally legitimate mechanic, someone could bring in their bike and, like Kenny said, you're trying to find a crank that is about to fail. And then one month later or two months later, it fails. And yeah, it's yeah, that's that's not a good place because you're going to get sued and, you know, you're going to have to deal with that, whether or not, you know, they can sue you personally as a mechanic. um, That might not be the case, but you're going to have to deal with it. You know, you're going to have to deal with someone trying to sue you possibly. So, yeah, that's that's a a very um, that's a very good point that we kind of glassed over. Uh, one thing that we didn't gloss over. Gloss over, yeah. Uh, Glossed over. Because it's quorum, not forum. That's for one person that listens, and just know that I love you. So, one thing that we didn't gloss over is there's going to be a class action lawsuit, and sure as shit, this week on my Instagram, I was served an ad for joining a class action lawsuit against Shimano. So, there you go. Called it. Called it. Uh, question mainly, so Adam has a question mainly for Andrea, unless Matt and Kenny have more input. How do you cope with the fear of encountering dangerous wildlife while out riding or venturing solo in the backcountry? I love exploring new terrain solo, and I have my sights on some big projects next summer that I would require doing. That would require doing so. Oh, got it. However, there's always anxiety while out there about running into wildlife like mountain lions, bears, moose, etc. Any tips? Thanks, y'all. Adam. Uh, Well, you know, different animals require different precautions. Um, The biggest thing for me has been education, knowing what triggers each of those animals into causing you bodily harm. I'd say out of that three, the three things that you mentioned, I mean, unless the bears you're talking about are grizzly bears, that's slightly different. Uh, In Colorado here, out of mountain lions, bears, and moose. Moose are definitely the most dangerous out of those. They harm the most people. Uh, I don't know the exact statistics, but uh, with those, the best thing you can do is know their habitat. So know when you are in a moose, uh, an area where a moose might be. Um, so dense, uh, a lot of they like water. They're always, that's the number one thing. If you're in an area where you're miles from water, you probably, you have a less chance of seeing a moose. So just knowing things like habitat. Um, 
so you know when to be more alert for those things. Generally with moose, if you get too close to one accidentally, if you can just get away from it as quickly as possible, you're going to be all right. Um, they're not really scared of humans, so my way of dealing with them, um, if I can just pick a different route and get around them at a safe, you know, 30 or 40 yard distance, um, that's what I'll do. You know, I have been in a situation where I needed to go down a, you know, I had like water running on one side of me and a cliff kind of on the other side. I couldn't get around a moose and I just backed off. I got up on top of some rocks. I yelled at it. I clacked my hiking poles together. Basically, I just kind of annoyed it into being like, all right, okay, I'll, I'll leave. I'll, and he wandered off into the woods. Oh God, I got a funny moose story. Okay. So I worked with a dude named Bo. He was an amazing athlete, and he was skinning somewhere. He was, like, skinning up on, like, some very obscure side trail at a ski resort once, and he said he was, like, skinning along. He's like, fuck, moose. And he's like, guess I won't skin up. I'll have to ride the lift. And he said he turned around, and he was, like, skinning back down, and he got down a little ways, like, not that far. And he's like, fuck, baby moose. And he was oh, between. Oh, no. And he's like, guess I'm going in the woods. And he just, like, Busted into the woods and hid for a while. Yeah, I mean, the, the best thing you can do with moose is just stay away from them. Just stay out of their personal space. Again, knowing the animals. So they're most aggressive when they have a baby with them. Um, and they're also most aggressive during the rut. Like if you get between a mom and a baby or if you get between a bull moose who is trying to bang a cow moose, you know. No different than at the bar. You got a horny jock and a hot broad, don't get between them. Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't want to be in the middle there. So, yeah, just getting, if you just get away from them and they see you running away from them, for the most part, they're like, okay, the threat is leaving. So, you're going to be all right. There. Yeah, they're, they're not really, like, aggressive as much as they are fearless i think is that a better way to put it like yeah and if a you, moose isn't just gonna like track you down and trample you to death right like if they see you 50 yards away they're not gonna purposefully come after you yeah they're not like a grizzly they're not gonna close distance and fuck your day up right um bears um they kind of live everywhere you're usually if you're out in the woods you're in bear territory for black bears best thing you can do is no food ever in your tent you can boil water in there if it's windy. Other than that, like in your vestibule, other than that, no food in the tent. Don't eat dinner in the tent. If it's pouring down rain and you can sit out, you know, and you're, say you're in the fall where bears are super active and they're feeding a lot, man, get your emergency blanket out and set a little side spot up to eat your dinner when you're camping. You know, something like that. Find other shelter. Know how to hang a bear bag. That's important for any type of bear. People do terrible jobs at hanging bear bags. Most important thing about that is hang it far away from where you're camping. You know, a bear bag doesn't, if a bear's trying to get to your bear bag 10 feet away from your tent, that's pretty, that's not where you want the bear. So it needs to be like an inconvenient distance away. Yeah, right. Uh, so know how to hang a bear bag. Pepper spray is pretty effective on bears. Um, just having like a, if you're on your bike, having a bell, um, that does a lot for every type of animal because for the most part, animals don't want to mess with you. So if they hear a noise ahead of time, like ahead of seeing you, they'll just go ahead and run away before you even see them. Um, mountain lions, most of the time, uh, you won't even know they're there. And that's, that's tough with mountain lions because I can say personally, I have been very scared of mountain lions. I'm still scared of mountain lions. Um, and and Adam's not a very big dude, so just know that like it won't hurt very long if a mountain lion gets you. <laughs> yeah, that's the cool thing about mountain lions. Like you you aren't you don't know you're being attacked by a mountain lion until you're about to die. So <laughs> that's just a little dark humor. That's not totally true. But if a mountain lion, if you do see a mountain lion stalking you, so if it's following you like paralleling your path in the woods you want to act big you want to yell you want to make noise if you hiking poles are really noisy if you can bang your hiking poles together hit them on rocks i, I don't think you'll have hiking poles on his bike I, he didn't say if it was a bike thing well now that i've read his email and i realize who it is he's going to be on his bike okay put a bell on your bike ring the bike bell make noise be large keep uh, if you have a backpack keep it on uh, just that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, the mountain lion, I think out of all of those, like, 
even though you're it's the one you're least likely to see even if there are just as many as there are say bears uh, you're not you probably won't see them and i mean that's what makes them so scary because you just never know if they're out there but yeah they have extraordinarily good vision so bears they have extraordinary smell Mountain lions have extraordinary vision. So just think about them as a, you know, triple XL house cat. What kind of stuff scares your house cat? That's what scares a mountain lion. Yeah, so figure out whatever the opposite of pss, pss, pss is and do that <laughs> at all times. Yeah, carry a spray bottle of water. Just pss, pss. Uh, Or do like Andrea did and just sing Jolene really loud. Yeah, exactly. That's That was my, like, when I was really scared of, uh, like, I did not want to. I had to do, like, a shakedown ride for Vapor Trail for my lights, and I did most of the ride singing the little bit of the song that I knew at the top of my lungs. I was singing Jolene. I could barely talk by the time I was finished riding. Alrighty. Uh, you want to call it? Yeah, I think we can call it. We're going to now insert Kenny saying shut her down because it wouldn't be a show without that. Shut her down. All right. Guess it's time to shut her down. If you have anything you want Matt and I to discuss on the next episode, new stuff, old stuff. Oh, we didn't read Tom's thing. We got to read Tom's thing about 29ers. Oh, God. That'll be. No, that's a teaser for next show. Okay. Next week, you get to hear Tom's history of 29ers because it goes a little bit more in depth. Than and what I found on Wikipedia in Matt three minutes. Found, yeah, than what Matt found on Wikipedia. It's it's pretty interesting. So thank you all for listening. Remember, go to jrashow.com and get your stickers or water bottles or patches. Or chances to sniff Kenny. Good night. Thanks for tuning in to the Just Riding Along Show. There's some shit coming out of your great pads. <laughs>